Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career is primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. The Success League works with leaders and companies of all sizes and stages. In this episode, I'm joined by Boaz Mayor, the Vice President of Customer Success for OpenGov. Boaz has served as a lieutenant in the Israeli Defense Force, has been a senior leader in sales and customer success for over 20 years, and is a member of the board of the California-Israel Chamber of Commerce. And I'm excited because today we're going to be talking about customer marketing, and that's a real need that we're starting to hear about more and more. Um, Boaz, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. Can you give us a little bit more background on how you landed in customer success, as well as some information about OpenGov's mission? Thank you, Kristen, um, for the nice welcome and the opportunity to share some thoughts with you and the audience on this topic. As you noted, I have been working at the customer success field for many years, and I'm quite passionate about it. You can say that I found my calling in this field. I keep telling my team that the most enjoyable part of my life, of my work, is meeting customers. Um, The reason for that is that fundamentally, I believe that the value of every company is ultimately measured by the extent of value it generates for its customers. Short term, you can measure proxies to that value via how many customers you sold to, or how much revenue and profit you gain from them, or even Mm -hmm. the valuation, right, the share price of your company. But... um, Ultimately, the long-term value is a derivative of the value you generate for your customers. And therefore, the customer must be at the center of our work and consequently working with customers to understand their needs and how our solutions can effectively address them is just exhilarating to me, especially working for a small startup where not only the solution but also the entire industry you work in is new and immature and there are lots of challenges and a lot of evangelizing that is needed to make everything work. Yeah, I think it's fun to work for startup companies. I do think so. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Things are always changing and there's a lot of work to do. Exactly. So tell us a little bit more about OpenGov. Yes, I'm, I'm a startup guy. I enjoy working at growth phase startups where you see the product market fit and you start to feel the pace of the startup accelerate. It's the phase where for the first time or at the same time, I would say, customers start to demand higher quality product and higher quality service, while at the same time, the pace of growth of the company requires fast adaptation and more standardization to achieve scalability. I have worked at startups and you know, many of them, some that crashed and burned and some that were very successful. Um, OpenGov is my eighth 
um, believe it or not. Wow. My, my eighth <laughs> you startup. You really do like startups. <laughs> I do. Uh, and it's a very interesting and quite unique one. At OpenGov, we believe that government is the most important industry. After all, it's the only industry that serves everybody and provides a foundation for all other industries. But, as I think you would agree, government has not been uh, attracting innovation by technology companies and not been the center of technology companies for the past 20 or 30 years. And therefore, most governments work with very outdated technology solutions. And that's the opportunity we are going after. Right. So we are working to empower a more effective, productive, and accountable government. And we do that by providing elected and appointed government officials with a layer of usability and easily and effectively manage their work. We help them extract data from a multitude of archaic databases into a platform where they can utilize easy-to-use workflow tools to create and manage their budgets, monitor and influence KPIs, produce reports, collaborate among departments, and ultimately share data with both one another and the public, the citizens. So is your solution then a layer that kind of sits over the top of the existing technology? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we, we, you know, if you think about it, in the technology world, there are companies that are very good in data management. Mm -hmm. They don't tend to have very good UIs to them. Right. I have yet to found in <laughs> 30 years of work someone who would rave about the UI of an ERP system. Right. Some are better than others, but none of them in their DNA are very good in usability. Right. The opposite goes for companies who are very good in UI and tend to mm -hmm. be not as good on the data management side of okay. things. So we'd like to build a layer of usability and ease of work on top of existing data solutions. Right. And so then you must be able to plug into a lot of different things because I think government tends to, from what I understand, I have a few friends that are, you know, working for the government. Um, it seems like there's a lot of kind of homegrown systems and a lot of very archaic technology. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that is amazing to me is how much value we are generating to these customers and how thankful they are when we do it. Right? Yeah. So that's part of the fun of working in customer success yeah. in this kind of an environment. And this is one of those companies, OpenGov, where values rule. And success is not just measured by, you know, how much revenue we grow, how much, how much profit, and ultimately can we get an, a, a wonderful IPO. It's also helping governments that we work with help every one of us. And that's an added value that I found just exciting. That's an exciting mission, actually. And I think all of us, like you said, can benefit from that. So that's pretty great. Well, so when you and I were talking about what we wanted to um, have as a topic for the podcast, we were looking at some articles. You wrote an article a few months ago about why the chief customer officer should become besties with the chief marketing officer. Um, what is the premise of that article, and why do you think it's important for us to be talking about how customer success and marketing should work together? Traditionally, marketing has been tied at the hip with a sales function to assist the generation of new sales in the quote-unquote old world of enterprise software and hardware sales, that very tight relationship made all the sense in the world. But then the playing field has changed with the growth of SaaS in the past decade or two. That trend has led to a much stronger lend and expense strategy within just about every SaaS vendor out there. And in parallel, the emergence of the customer success function. Mm -hmm. Companies now see a much higher portion of their revenue coming from expanding programs within existing customers versus selling to new ones. In fact, 
fast-growing startups see the portion of revenue coming from existing customers exceeds that from new sales from about the six or seven years of their operations. Mm -hmm. That increased reliance on revenue from existing customers necessitates stronger focus by the CMO on existing customers at the expense of new customers. Okay, that makes sense. I think, um, you know, I see that too where, you know, marketing teams have traditionally been very focused on, um, you know, going and getting new customers, um, working with the sales teams on that. And um, I know we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, but I, I see a lot of customer success teams sort of waving their hands now and saying, we need help. Right. <laughs> and so uh, if the chief customer officer can team up with the marketing officer, I think that will help a lot. Uh, before we get into details on how this partnership should work, you were a pretty clear advocate in your article um, that the customer marketing function should live on the marketing team uh, instead of on the customer success team. Why do yep. you think that's the optimal structure? That is an excellent question and one that occupies the minds of many of us in CS, as I'm sure you have seen in many, many conversations on different CS forms out there. My personal perspective on this is that in the early years, the CS function, and therefore the VP of CS, needed to prove its viability as a standalone function in the organization, and therefore had to take a lot of activities that other functions were not easily willing to divert resources to, mm -hmm. such as marketing. Yeah. But now, I think we have reached a point where the function is mature enough, it has a seat at the table, most VPs of CS report directly to the CEO, and the role of the VP of CS is moving, shifting from just doing their job to influencing others. And that's when I think activities that in the past have been done within the CS team should in some cases be moved into other functions, which is their core work, right? Customer marketing is predominantly mm -hmm. marketing, and therefore the VP of CS would be doing well for themselves and for the company if they move that function into the marketing domain. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I have to say, in a number of companies I've worked for where I've been the head of CS, I have had to sort of uh, have the marketing person live on my team either because I had the headcount for it in my budget and the marketing person didn't or because I felt like if it lived in the marketing team they wouldn't actually be doing my work they would be doing the work of going and getting new business and so um, it's great to hear that you think that's kind of shifting now that there's a seat at the table on the part of customer success because it's not fun to have a function on your team that isn't really your core area of right. expertise. <laughs> right. And I think I think you would agree that's a little bit of a maturity situation. Yeah, I right? think Early so too. on, yeah. you just figure out to get the budget and you get things done. Right. Long term, as you say, okay, we got it done, mm -hmm. right? V1 was done. How do we do it better, better. as we grow? Yeah. We probably want to realign, right? Yeah. So it's a pragmatic argument. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let's get down to specifics. What deliverables do you think the customer marketing function should produce? Okay, uh, let's first define what do we think, what do we um, envision when we say customer marketing. And I'd like to suggest that there are actually two ways to interpret that term. One, the value from customers that the marketing team can utilize in order to sell to more customers. Think of this as the advocacy program, referrals, case studies, references to assist in closing deals, um, and, and activities like that. Okay. This is the way companies like Influitive, for example, define it and have a whole business around it. Um, the second option is the value to customers that the marketing team can help CS deliver in order to help them 
increase adoption, extract more value from the solution they already acquired as the base for potentially buying more from the company in the future. Mm -hmm. The first one is very well understood by CMOs that acknowledge the power of utilizing customers to sell more. Mm -hmm. It's the second, however, that is not yet well supported by CMOs. And like you said before, many VP yeah. of sales do it within their own domain. The deliverables I would like my CMO to provide me as the head of CS function are digital assets and delivery mechanisms to help my customers. Many of these, by the way, may be very similar in their titles to those artifacts that are delivered to the sales team, but are different in the content and even more than that in their tone or focus or style. Yeah. So, you know, let's take an example, right? Both sales and CS want case studies that can show how a customer is successfully utilizing our solutions to gain value and be successful. But while the sales team wants a very glossy success story that is just long enough to convince the prospect that it is real, existing customers need a level of depth that is much deeper. At the same time, since we are not in a sales mode with existing customers, the document should help the customer avoid areas of the product that may look nice in a demo, but we know are a bit more fragile in real life and require <laughs> more um, yeah. you know, effort in getting it done. That makes sense. Yeah, I think um, you know, the salespeople have to get into some stuff that you, know, you definitely know is sort of rocky, and they have their secret ways of navigating past that when they're in the demo, but I think you're right. For existing customers, you need to be it's more reality. real. Yeah, about how are they actually going to use that. So right. I think you make a great point. So how should a customer success leader approach a marketing leader about this need in order to kick things off? What are the selling points for marketing partnering with customer success? That's an excellent question. I think this is one of the unique aspects of this particular article. You see, I was developing this with um, a guy named Tal Tzfani, which at the time was the chief customer officer of Base CRM and is now at MuleSoft. Okay. And Tal is one of the strongest CS leaders I know, and like me, possess a very quantitative mindset. So our going position was that CMOs today have very clear quantitative goals to their work. They're ultimately measured by quantified leads, right? Which is the amount of potential revenue that they tee up for the salespeople to execute against. If we are to be effective in influencing them to change how they work, we must align with their already established set of goals. Okay, so really kind of go to them and, and um, talk about it from more of a quantitative standpoint, like how how can we work together to help you achieve the goals of growing revenue for the organization? Exactly. And showing them how working with existing customers, diverting some of their resources to support existing customers is aligned with their ultimate goal, which is driving more qualified leads, increasing revenue. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So what do you think the budget should be for customer marketing? Is it just you need a body, so you throw a body at it? Or do you have a more systematic approach for figuring out how much to budget? Um, I, I think the answer probably depends on the CMO with whom you work. Okay. Uh, and they're different, That's right? That's fair. <laughs> but, but generally, I believe the answer should be as numeric as possible. So what Tal and I developed, what, what we did is we developed this model that shows the portion of revenue when selling to new prospects versus when selling to existing ones that can be impacted by the marketing activities. 
Then we plotted it over time to show the change and consequently the portion of the marketing budget on an annual basis that should be allocated to existing customers versus to new sales. So it's a very quantitative answer and there's actually a model okay. in that article that people can use to figure it out. Okay. What portion of the marketing budget should be focused on existing customers versus new? And then the next question is, do I want to uh, convert that budget to people? Do I want to put it into process and systems, vendors, whatever else? Okay, that's great. And um, just for the listeners, I want to note that uh, that article and the model that Boaz is referring to will be available on the Strike Deck blog. So if you're wanting to dig into that a little more deeply, you can go look on the blog and find that article and um, take a look at that model. I think that would be really useful for people to see. So what are the key metrics that an organization should use to measure the ROI of this marketing slash customer success partnership? I know you always want to be measuring what you're doing. Do you think um, that there are specific metrics people should look at? And then do you think those metrics should change over time? Absolutely. Um, if it's not worth measuring, it's not worth doing, right? Right. <laughs> um, I, I think the easiest is to have those measures mimic exactly the measures of customer success. Just like the measures of marketing when working with sales are the measures of the sales team, dollars and number of opportunities and ultimately revenue and number of customers, working with customer success, the results should be measured by the value the customer extract from our solution and the value we extract from the customer. The second one, the value we derive from the customer, is relatively easy to measure. Gross retention, net retention, upsell, referenceability, etc. The first one, the value the customer derives from us, is often the hardest metric for companies to define. I'm sure you have seen that in mm -hmm. uh, working with, in customer success. But that is a topic for a whole different Yeah, we could do a whole session. separate podcast on that. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's, there's some resources for people. It's really thinking about, in my opinion, that topic is how do you think about what outcomes the customer was after in the first place. And there can be a lot of variation from customer to customer. And so it yep. is a little bit challenging to measure that. But I think that's there's right. ways to do it. Yeah, um, that's right. But yeah, that'll have to be our next podcast. <laughs> so Boaz, what do you do if your marketing leader just won't play ball or doesn't have the budget for this effort? Ha, huh. well, so we're getting politi politic now. Yes, Political. it's a reality though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, you know, Someone once told me that the difference between a junior working level people and at, at companies and senior leaders is that junior level people measure their work based on the tasks they're executing. Did I do, did I complete the task? Whereas senior leaders are measured by results. Your job as a VP is to influence the organization to take the right actions to generate results you need and you are accountable for. If the people you need help from do not provide you with what you need, you need to either change the way you interact with them or change the way you work to provide that function. If the VP of, of marketing, the CMO, is not convinced in the need to provide you those resources, you need to figure out a way to provide those resources on your own, just like you said earlier that you have done uh, right, at your company. Yeah. But then my suggestion would be to build on that initial headcount or allocation of resources from you to build a set of results and go back to the CMO saying, here are the results that I have done on my own to take it to the next phase. I need your help. At least you have some results to focus on 
and a proof point that you can uh, point to in order to convince them. I think that's a great suggestion. Yeah, and, and hopefully that is useful for our listeners. I think that is something that comes up quite a bit. You know, people lock their budgets in at the beginning of the year, and you may have some headcount on your team, but the marketing person may have spent all of theirs. And so, um, yeah, I think it's good for people to kind of have an approach to what to do if that's the situation. Yeah, you have to be pragmatic. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back to the rest of the interview in a minute. I want to let you know about two training programs offered by the Success League. First, we have a customer success leadership program that is designed to help directors and VPs of customer success be more effective in their planning, hiring, management, and communication. I teach these classes, and as a former VP of customer success, I'm sharing the skills and models I learned over years of doing the job. Second, we have a CSM training program for customer success managers who need training on customer success basics or to brush up on specific skills. These classes focus on how CSMs can help customers achieve the outcomes they are looking for through effective planning and communication. Classes are one-hour instructor-led sessions that include discussion and tools that enhance learning. For more information on both programs, you can visit the training page on our website, thesuccessleague.io. I also want to mention a terrific new resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes a ton of fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build their customer success function within their organization. Links for the Success League's training sessions and the ebook can be found in the description of this episode. And now, back to our interview. Most of our listeners are customer success leaders, and some of them are going to want to move forward with customer marketing, I think, after listening to this episode. So what is your advice to them? Well, read the blog. Um, email me or email Tal if you have any questions. Um, I would suggest to define a starting point for a phase one. Do okay. something, yeah. right? Don't procrastinate. Do something. Figure out a phase one. Uh, success breeds success. So, you know, small initial wins can pave the way for bigger ones in phase two and three. If you think that your CMO is not going to be opening, open to, to allocate resources right now, do it on your own. Build phase one and then go to them in the next one. The other thing you can do is send them a link to that blog and have them read it, mm-hmm. right, to get yeah. a perspective. Yeah, I think that's great. I, it's similar to, I think, what we at the Success League are coaching our customers on when they're in a one-to-many customer success situation. You know, maybe they need more automation. Just start with the things that you know are going to make the most difference right away. You know, choose the low-hanging fruit. Um, build tools that help you address that and then move on to V2 and V3 from there. So kind of, I think, the same approach for customer marketing. So the last question, and this is something I ask all of our guests, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Hmm. Other than this marketing thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, customer maturity index? Um. (laughs) Well, we have talked about that quite a bit. So I think the most exciting trend I see in the CS field is the sophisticated software solutions that are becoming more and more available to CS professions. Um, In the early days of CS, we all fought to gain recognition within the companies that we work for, for the importance of the function and get a seat at the table. I think once we got that seat, 
we worked hard to build standalone functions that can fulfill the premise of CS. Just like in any other function, we started with people, hiring profiles, job descriptions, roles and responsibilities, training and education, mission statements, compensation schemes, right, whatever. And then in tandem, we worked to enhance the processes we use to effectively direct and enable those people. So we designed onboarding programs and uh, launch guidelines and adoption best practices and developed quarterly management reviews and you know, sales to CS handoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the next phase, what we, what we need is technology to help us become not just effective, but also more efficient in the way we move. Um, along that process, we were starting to see the emergence of CS-focused software solutions to help on both the effectiveness, right, producing higher quality results, and the efficiency, which is you know, producing results at lower cost. These solutions are only now, in my mind, reaching the maturity and critical mass level that enable us, all of us, to utilize them effectively. I'm thinking about company or solutions like CSM platforms and communication management and in-app guidance solutions and integrated support, you know, case management, chat, knowledge base, communities, things like that. Uh, utilization tracking and more. And I think it's very exciting to see the maturation of those solutions. And I definitely expect to see more of this over time. Yeah, I I do too. I've actually in the last month talked to five people that are building new customer success solutions of various types. And so I think it's really exciting to see people trying to address a lot of different kinds of needs within our, our field. So it's, it is an exciting time. Yeah. So what, what you should expect is proliferation of many point solutions uh-huh. that within three, four, five years start to consolidate right. the acquisitions <laughs> into bigger platforms, which is the which way is yeah. most, of, most of the maturity of uh, software solutions work. Yep. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, Boaz, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I appreciate all of your great advice on customer marketing, and I know our listeners do as well, uh, since this is such a hot topic. So thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, And thank you to Strydeck for the opportunity to share some of my thoughts here. Uh, If I can take one more moment of the audience time, I would like to say thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. And if you think you are a superstar in what you do, customer success management, professional services, technical support, please reach out to me because I'm very, very actively hiring here at OpenGo. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure you'll have quite a few people reach out. Thanks. I also want to thank our sponsors, StrikeDeck and the Success League. To learn more about StrikeDeck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow StrikeDeck on LinkedIn or at StrikeDeck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. And follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.